My name is Ayumi, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. my magical friends. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Thanks for checking us out if you're new around here, and double thanks if you're returning. Just to start off, in case you didn't see the one tweet I made last week, you didn't miss anything. I was unable to give you an episode. I don't know how to start this. So my personal life is not at all what this podcast is about, so I will try to summarize as best I can because it really has been a roller coaster. So uh, my birthday, October 31st, was a normal work day. Then I found out my husband was buying me a Switch Lite as a present, so yay. Also, amazing, amazing news. So for my birthday, I made a fundraiser and I posted it on Twitter through coffee. And I was able to get, it was just a really small thing. I was really hoping to buy a new iPad so that I could use an Apple Pencil and be able to draw again on digitally. And I was really, really floored by just so many people boosting and sharing and then also people, you know, including people who listen to the podcast because it posted on the podcast Twitter as well. And yeah, I was actually really able to get close enough that I felt comfortable going ahead and making the purchase. Thank you again, everyone. And, you know, that kind of was really around that weekend of my birthday. So thank you. Then I was really, really, really busy. And especially with trying to produce the next podcast, which I'll get to in a moment, I basically crashed. Um, On Monday morning, I woke up with this horrible fever. COVID rates are low here still, but we went to the hospital and I basically did nothing but sleep and take medicine for two whole days. And then my switch arrived. Yay. And I'm really enjoying Animal Crossing in the little free time I have and that's the only game I currently own. Returned to work and things felt normal so podcasting had felt okay like getting back into the swing of things. It was a little difficult to get back to normalcy and I still kind of feel a little strange about it so I'm really really sorry if this episode is not up to par. I'm trying my best. Yeah and then uh, on top of everything else on Saturday I got the news that my grandmother had passed away. I found out she was maybe dying about 12 hours before then so it's been kind of wild. So I'm trying my best to be my usual chipper self, especially because this is a really exciting episode and I've been really, as always, excited to share it with you. Yeah, it's been just a really tough time. I don't want it to get in the way of producing good content because I have been enjoying making this podcast so much as part of my schedule. And one of those things is I love magical girls. They make me so happy. And I just want to spread that same love and happiness to everyone else and amplify the voices of other people who love magical girls. It's really not about me, it feels like. So I just feel, I feel really bad just talking about all this stuff, but it feels relevant because like so much happened, like a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And um, anyone who uh, is following on Twitter would have seen that I did actually post the hint for the next episode, which was meant to be 
the next Pretty Gear episode, but I decided to scrap it. So one of the reasons I crashed so hard that I couldn't do anything was that uh, I was trying to edit audio that was really impossible to deal with. So it's something that was at the fault of the guest or me, I think. There was just this weird anomaly with the recording that day and there was no backup. So it was just, it was really rough. So Basically, every time I tried to find out how to solve the problem, all of the places online were just saying to throw away the audio, and I should have listened to that advice, but I was being really stubborn. Uh, yeah, so I talked to the guest, and we've decided that we're going to re-record in the future, so that will be an episode that comes out later. Please don't worry, but it will take some time, and in a way, it's good because then I can actually finish watching the series in question and so on. Yeah, I just really, I want to make sure everything is good, but... I kind of let that get in the way of me having a life and being alive. I don't know. Uh, like, I literally got sick. So, yeah, again, I'm really, really sorry for not being able to give you an episode. Uh, it really did devastate me. And I really do enjoy making this podcast every week. I'm really sorry. So, with that, let's see uh, what I've watched in the past two weeks. So to be honest, there wasn't much that I watched, unfortunately, because I had so many things happened. I've been watching non-Magical Girl stuff in part of my free time, so there's that. But one thing I did get to watch was, finally, I watched Himitsu no Akko-chan, or Secret Akko-chan, or Akko-chan's Secret, or it has a lot of different translations. I think Secret Akko-chan is, for me, the most what's the word the one that makes the most sense to me uh yeah so this is again a 1969 series i think yeah i mean i'm not sure what i expected kind of like with watching mahotsukai sally but it was really fun i enjoyed it a lot it's really wild in terms of the premises of episodes and so on but i did really enjoy it so there's that, and I do hope to watch more in the, the future, So I only watched the first volume, and even then I didn't actually get to finish because I had to return the DVDs, but... And then, kind of in preparation for a future episode, I decided to watch Magic Knight Ray Earth. At least as of now, the first three episodes of Magic Knight Ray Earth are available in Japan for free on YouTube, so... I watched it there and I enjoyed it. It's, you know, it's a very different Magical Girl series, but it is still a Magical Girl series. I feel like because they were the first three episodes, I didn't really get deep into, what's it called? I didn't get really deep into it in terms of the lore that it provides, but uh, it is definitely something that caught my attention. You know, I say all the time, there are so many series out there that I want to watch and there's just no time. So I really do need to make an effort. Mostly I've been watching stuff in preparation for future episodes, but for a while I was binging there. And guys, I do not recommend binging. It's pretty tricky. Speaking of which, I won't be able to talk about it exactly, but I've been watching stuff in preparation for episode 22, which I haven't actually gotten a recording. And then there was Healing Good Precure. So just for anyone who doesn't watch Precure, last week, November 1st, there was no episode of Healing Good Precure um, because they were showing a sports event, I believe, that day instead. So we had to wait two weeks for a very big episode today, which was very exciting and it just really filled me up with so much joy because it's actually the only Magical Girl 
thing I've watched in like a week. Yeah, basically since my birthday, I haven't watched any Magical Girls. Yeah, it just made me feel so good. Like it's so hard to explain, but for me, Magical Girls has been something that especially touches me when I feel so alone. And um, it just so happens that right now is one of those times. But it's always been that case, like when I was a kid and didn't have friends, you know, watching Sailor Moon and later other magical girls. Um, Tokyo Mimi was a big one for me because of the character of Lettuce. Her life before Tokyo Mimi was very much my life in elementary school. So yeah, so it, it's just something that is very important to me. So I want to be able to give back to magical girls what they've given to me, if that makes sense. So I just really, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. So, going on to the news. I guess we could just move right along talking more about healing of pre-care because there really isn't much else that was news. Um, so actually last week there was an update to the website for the next pre-care movie. So just in case you have a listen to another episode of the podcast, right now the Miracle Leap movie, which was originally scheduled to be released in March of this year, has uh, just been released in well, on my birthday, October 31st. The Healing Good Precure film is scheduled to be released. So they released both the film title and the date. So it's pretty exciting. All we have so far is like only a little bit of information. We have a flyer and we have the actual website itself. The Healing Good Precure film title is Eiga Healing Good Precure no Machi de to Go Go Dai Henshin. Uh, of course, as I said, it has go-go in the title. So, what does that mean? Well, the logo is a clear reference to Yes Precure 5 Go-Go. And this is a very exciting turn of events. What we know is that the whole cast of Precure 5 Go-Go, which means that includes Milky Rose, will be in this film as well. And so it's a crossover movie, which is very interesting. And as the title suggests, Yume no Machi, it's going to be in this town of dreams and i didn't read the full flyer but there's something about i think it's um holograms holograms that's the thing also the date of release is march 20th so that was also kind of surprising because that means that this will be the spring movie in fact the website for the movie says it's the 2021 spring Pirka movie so it's really interesting to wonder, does this mean we're going to stick to two movies a year or are we going to get three next year? I could understand either way how it would work. It just might be that because of the coronavirus, this has changed forever and we're all now going to always start with the single series movie and then the, the all-stars type of movie later in the year. Yeah, it's not that we don't know. It's fine. And for anyone wondering, as of this recording, we still don't know how long this season of Precure will be. And we also still don't know the name of the new season. Usually by October, we always know. But of course, everything has been a lot. So we just don't know. Honestly, in my opinion, I've been wondering if there's going to be some sort of collaborative season, if that makes sense. And by the way, in Japan, Hard Catch Precure has started to re-air on Tokyo MX, which is the channel here, and Star Twinkle is also on the same channel. They're airing on different days of the week, but uh, it seems like it's very exciting because every time they're airing both days, 
the series itself is uh, trending on Japanese Twitter. So a lot of people are watching these older seasons. And of course, Hard Catch is、uh, still the most、uh, successful season. And、uh, Star Trek was also pretty good, all things considered. So, in my opinion, the emphasis on older cures in recent years is very, very curious.、Um, you know, I feel like I talk a lot about me being a teacher. And how that affects my interaction with Precure in particular as a franchise. But it's, it's very interesting to see how the kids usually don't know past the season that they've been alive for unless they're super huge fans. So perhaps this is a way to get the little ones into previous seasons again, or to maybe draw in the crowds of people who grew up with Yes Precure 5, so teens and young adults. That being said, of course, a lot of people have wondered online why is there no Splash Star? Because There was a Hagto Precure crossover movie with Futariwa Precure, the original group. Yeah, it's just,、um, I don't know why. It's unfortunate that they're not popular when it comes to all the seasons,、uh, whenever they're doing polls and so on. But it's interesting because, especially for me,、uh, I know that it's not popular, but Splash Star was the season that got me into Precure at all because that was the first one I watched. It's very dear to my heart. Speaking of Hardcatch Precure, this is kind of very, very adjacent news, but still thought it was interesting to mention. Or maybe this is something that just excites me because of my own age. But the voice actress Nana Mizuki, who voiced Tsubomi Hanasaki on Hardcatch Precure, has announced that she's expecting her first child. She is known for a lot of other roles,、um, especially in the Magical Girl universe. So let's see, what else has she been in?、Um, She was Utau in Shugo Kara, Rue in Princess Tutu, or you might know her as Krehi、uh, in some instances. She is Fate in Lyrical Nanoha, and also Tsubasa in Symphogear, and Sayaka in Magical Kanon. So she has a lot under her belt、uh, in terms of magical girls. So it kind of just feels like she is one. If that makes sense. <laughs> And a lot of those characters are pretty different, so she's quite the talent. But, anyway, so I definitely would like to wish her the most、uh, luck possible because it's a really difficult time right now to be expecting, I think. But it's also a wonderful thing, you know? It's great news. And I am really happy for her. And this is like my favorite kind of news right now, but maybe that's just because I've been thinking about these things a lot. Uh, recently. Okay. Anyway, it feels like I have been talking forever. I deeply apologize. So let's move on to today's topic. Okay. So today we are talking about Creamy Mommy. So, we are going all the way back to the 80s. And because this is the first episode about a Studio Pair series, we actually kind of talk a little bit about them in general. And another thing is、um, just in case you haven't listened to the first episode,、uh, Studio Pair follows. Rules with their Magical Girl series at this time. I had discussed them in the first episode of the podcast, but it's been a while. I do go into them in the chat, but I didn't actually properly introduce them, so I'm sorry about that. Also, there were some technical difficulties, it looks like. There were some issues with the recording. So there are times where my guest,、uh, Lafi, Isn't heard properly, so again, I apologize. This is still very much a learning process. This chat was recorded in August, so there are some things we talk about that at the time were timely, 
But yeah, I think that's everything to talk about. So Luffy was a really, really wonderful guest. They are just a really, really sweet person. And so uh, they didn't mention it in the recording, but they have an Etsy shop. And so they're also doing sewing. They're a cosplayer. Basically like a real life magical idol, to be honest. So yeah, I really, really hope that you enjoyed this talk with Luffy about Creamy Mommy. Okay, so for today's show, we're going to be talking about Creamy Mommy, and I have a guest here. So can you please introduce yourself? What is your name and what are your pronouns? Absolutely. Hello, I am Lafi. My pronouns are generally my name, but I also take they and them pronouns. Great. We're going to talk about Creamy Mommy today. So Creamy Mommy, we talked about in our History of Magical Girls episode. Uh, it's a show from the 80s, a Studio Piero show. Hmm. I would say it's probably one of the more popular of the 80s Magical Girl shows. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was from uh, 1983 to 1984, a summer to summer program. And I was just checking now a little earlier about how to watch it here in Japan. And it's actually still really hard to get unless you rent it it's become increasingly easy to watch here in the U.S., so that's kind of interesting that it's harder to watch in Japan these days. Yeah, well, I think most people, if they don't watch it on live television, which is generally free, most people I don't think pay for cable unless they have like a DVR situation. Most people will rent the things they watch. We still have video stores here, like Blockbuster style or whatever. Yeah, so from there you can rent by volume a few episodes at a time. Otherwise, you have to buy series. And I was checking on the cost of the Blu-ray. There's a Memorial Box Blu-ray in Japan, but it's about $400. (laughs) Yeah, so there's that. And then the DVD is still kind of expensive. The cheapest option is actually always to buy the dubs from other countries. Wow. There's no dub in English, but uh, Amazon Japan has the French one that I could buy imported, but I wouldn't be able to play a French DVD, so that would be bad anyway. (laughs) So yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely still kind of popular in that you can still buy a lot of merchandise, even in like normal shops and stuff. You can still see sometimes. I think it's because the show in particular is very aesthetically pleasing and it's funny because yesterday I was asking my husband oh do you know creamy mommy and he's like "Mm, I've heard the name before and then I showed him and he went oh I thought you were talking about food (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah so let's let's actually talk about what the show is about so yeah, as I said, so it is a Studio Piero Magical Girl series. It's actually the first of the Studio Piero series, which might be part of why it's mm-hmm. the most popular. Yeah, so anyone who listened to the History of Magical Girls episode, we actually did go over this, but I'll just review it very quickly now, uh, and we'll do this for every Studio Piero series. So for the most part, they're going to be following the same rules. There are all a few exceptions. 
But the first rule is simply that the main character is an elementary school student and a girl. And the second rule is that she is a normal human. And then from another world, usually a magical or fairy type world, she's going to receive her magic. The third rule is that there's always a slightly older male character that is someone that she either longs for or longs to be like. And then there are uh, kind of fairy-like characters from the other world that are her advisors. The next rule is that usually they have to use a magic stick and say something to transform and then become a bit older, like an adult form, which is the case as well with Dreamy Mummy. So most people know her adult form, which has uh, pastel purple hair, very, very cute. But her original form as uh, Yui, she's... uh, got I guess it's mm, turquoise hair and it's much shorter yeah she has that cute little bowl cut mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very much so mm-hmm. yeah it's very much like a, a child haircut I think and now usually in Studio Paris series they can't use magic outside of the transformation form but Creamy Mommy is one of the exceptions where she can use magic outside of that form and Oh, I wanted to specify, I've only seen a little bit of the show, but I haven't watched it in a long time. I watched it in French, I think, when I was in school, when I was still studying French. I think I watched it in French. It's It's very cute in French. (laughs) I've never, I don't think I've ever heard any of it translated into French, but I bet it does sound really cute. (laughs) It's very cute, yeah. Yeah, so in French, the title is La Merveilleuse Creamy. So her name is just Creamy. It's not <laughs> mommy, but yeah. Anyway, so back to the rules. So the next rule is that usually the voice actor who plays the main character is also going to be an upcoming singer, like a newer singer. And uh, they also do the theme song usually. And then, let's see. So the next rule is, well, there are kind of rules regarding the things that happen. So actually, let's turn to you for a moment because I've been talking a lot anyway. So okay, how would you summarize this show? I would say that Creamy Mommy is an amazing, aesthetically pleasing, beautiful show about a little girl who is a little bit tomboyish, accomplishing goals, even if they're just minor goals while she is experiencing magic and she's able to do things that she's never done before and go places she's never been before, all while trying to keep up this persona that she's kind of forced into in a way, because it wasn't her choice to become an idol. It just Mm -hmm. happens to her when she transforms because she's a little girl and she's, you know, given magical powers. So what do you do but mess around with them, right? (laughs) And as she's doing that, she (laughs) idol and then suddenly she has to you know keep up with her idol persona because it pleases the boy that she's enamored with Mm. and she kind of goes through the identity crisis of you know me versus mommy but at the same time they're both her Mm. and so it's just a really fun series where you goes through so many things Mm -hmm. and it's just a good time, and it's beautiful. The music is great. Takako Ota is a really great idol. Um, her voice acting, along with all of the songs for the series, are a lot of fun. So it's a really fun, sweet, magical girl series, and 
all of the rules that you're talking about for the Piero girls, I think Creamy Mommy really does embody all of those. It's just a lot of fun. It's fun for a young child to watch. It's fun to watch as an adolescent. And it's fun to watch as an adult. Mm. So I think everyone can enjoy Creamy Mommy. Yeah, in general, I feel like a lot of shows, I would say maybe more older shows than current ones for a Magical Girl series, often have a kind of theme of the transformation also representing growing up or maturing and like trying to suddenly try to understand becoming more grown up, if that makes sense. For sure, it makes sense. Yeah. I think that Creamy Mommy tackles that in a really great way. And it's something that, as you mentioned, a lot of older series tend to do more so than newer series. And it, it's done really well. I think Studio Piero makes a realistic story about a young girl who just happens to fall into this circumstance. Whereas a lot of newer Magical Girl series focus more so on like what this character can do to save the world and fight these battles. Whereas it's kind of little things mm-hmm. in Creamy Mommy. It's like, how can I get to go out to the amusement park with this guy that I like next Friday? You know, my parents don't want me to do it. And I have a concert at the same time. And what am I going to do? It's just like a realistic, fun day by day. But there's also some drama. There's supernatural forces at work. There's a lot going on between the magical realm and, you know, the regular world that you kind of has a microscope into. And it's interesting to see the way that she interprets everything like as a young girl and then also as like an older teenager and an idol all at the same time Hmm, yeah so yeah as you were saying the kind of situations are relatively minor but make sense especially for a child to go through right so there's actually a rule regarding the kind of content of her daily life it's kind of got a ban on politics I mean, I don't know how true that is. That's, you know, defining something as political or not political is usually political in itself. But (laughs) there's generally a rule of, yeah, avoiding like politics, avoiding big topics to kind of just keep the series a little bit lighter. It is. I think Japan is also really good about putting into their shows like this sort of wall, this sort of divide between like political Mm -hmm. reasonings and everyday life. There's something in a lot of older anime that I notice too where smaller day-to-day things are focused on in a way to where everyone can relate Mm -hmm. to it and I think that's part of its success Mm -hmm. not that I don't enjoy good political content as well I think that it's nice to have something that everyone can relate to in a way at the same time Mm. yeah actually that does kind of go into the last rule of the studio pair girls which is that the main character's um, family has to own a small business Oh, I didn't know that was a rule. Yeah, that's actually a rule, which I find very amusing, but it's kind of almost like a tradition that you see in a lot of other series. It's kind of just normal. I mean, in general, even, I don't know about a place like Tokyo, but generally most people know someone whose family has a small business. Even for me and my own families, I think it's just very common and that's probably why. It's just a matter of being very relatable, I think. Yeah, I think that's really cute. Mm -hmm. It kind of gives you, there's like um, different classes you can be Mm -hmm. while still like owning a small business. So you could kind of be anywhere on the spectrum and have a business. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting rule that they made to put that in so that everyone can kind of feel 
mm-hmm. included in a way. Because if it's not you, then as you said, you know, it's someone you know or someone you're related to. And mm-hmm. everyone knows someone who grew up, you know, helping out in the shop and cleaning up upstairs while there were customers downstairs and having to leave at a certain time and be back because they were going to close down for vacation or all kinds of things. Hmm. So that's really cool that that's a rule in the Piero world. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) It's really sweet. Yeah. So yeah, so let's kind of dive in a little bit more in the story. So as you mentioned, it's, like you said, very aesthetically pleasing. So anyone who enjoys pastels is probably going to like this series. And I think probably a lot of people who haven't even watched the series or maybe even know the name have probably seen art of Creamy Mommy because it's so aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. I got into it because I was really into Japanese fashion mm. and um, fairy tay, oh, yeah. probably around 2010-ish. Mm. And from them, you know, I had friends that were also really into it and they would post her. I'd be like, who is this adorable purple hair, <laughs> yellow floating creature sitting on this moon? She's so cute. And immediately, you know, I had to look into it and I was completely taken. You know, it's kind of everything that I love. With the idols and the aesthetic importance and the magic. And it's just so freaking cute. There's really nothing not to like about Creamy Mommy, in my opinion. Even if it's just like a lighthearted fun time. But there's also sometimes more mature episodes and mature aspects to things. There's even an episode where Mommy transforms in a hall of mirrors. And thus she accidentally creates the mirror image version of herself, which goes off in kind of does the opposite of everything she would do. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, it it gets to a point where she has to confront herself and Hmm. find a way to get the mirror image version to stand down so she can have back her identity, which is not even her real identity. So there's a lot about that happening in the series as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So Let's try to talk a bit more, I guess, about the character. So as you said, so the girl's name is Yu uh, Morizawa. Yes. Morizawa Yu, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So she's 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And you have to forgive me, I have not seen this series in a while. So from my understanding, the world where her mascots come from is kind of like from space. But I don't really remember. Yeah, a little bit. It's a ship, Mm -hmm. but it looks like an old boat, Mm -hmm. and it's called Feather Star. They come from kind of one of these spaceships in between dimensions, perhaps. It's never quite Mm -hmm. explained, but visually, when they go inside of Feather Star, they kind of drop into these different environments and worlds Mm -hmm. and all sorts of different creatures floating around by them, unicorns and little aliens and all sorts of interesting fantasy elements. Yeah. And it's just a really interesting take on getting magic from somewhere because it doesn't pop up and say like, oh, I'm just from something that you know about. It's kind of from somewhere that really could exist in between space time. And it's almost more believable in that way, which I think is interesting. Mm -hmm. So she gets her little mascot Mm -hmm. after she chases the ship. Mm. And while she's on the ship with Pino Pino, this little alien creature man <laughs> who is impressed that she was able to see the ship and found it. And mm-hmm. he said, well, just for doing all that, you know, I can give you this magic and you can use it for a year. 
mm-hmm. as long as no one finds out about it. Mm-hmm. And then she gets her little creatures, Koji and Nika, cute little cat creatures that if you people haven't seen art of Primi Mommy, they've probably seen art of Koji and Yeah, Nika. they're super cute cats. Yeah. Almost um, like a plush cat. Mm-mm. Yeah. And then a little, and then they're like positive and negative and then they act that way too so they're really yeah. cute i'm sure people have seen them around before yeah they're super super cute and she gets her little pictures. yeah <laughs> she takes her pictures home and trying to figure out how to help mm-hmm. and she uses her magic and she realizes she can transform and become older and she says well this is going to be fun i'm going to go out tomorrow i'm going to transform i'm going to be a teenager <laughs> go to my parents' business hmm. and order a crate. Yeah, so it's very interesting. Yeah, it really is. So she's 10 years old originally. Right. So when she transforms, she becomes 16, which is interesting also because she has, you know, this guy that she likes. I don't really actually know that much about the guy. Oh, I do. His name is Toshio. He's a friend. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of his. Mm-hmm. And he and her are childhood friends and grew up together. And she's always had a crush on him. And he said, you know, when we grow up, you know, we'll get married and that'll be that. And so they're very close and their families are close. And he's always coming <laughs> by the shop to pick her up. And her parents trust her, you know, going anywhere with him. So sometimes she'll say, oh, well, we're going to go watch a recording of at the studio. And that's how she gets to go to these events because he wants to see Creamy Mommy and mm-hmm. she has to be there so she can be Creamy Mommy. <laughs> and so they go together. But he doesn't know. So she has to keep a secret from him that she's actually the one that he's obsessed with. Yeah. So then there's that interesting dynamic between them where you would find her and he is like you like you are just my 10 year old little childhood friend mm-hmm. I'm interested in creamy mommy yeah she's older she's an idol she's beautiful she's perfect who cares about you you right and she's like well actually but she can't say anything or she loses the magic in the first place so they have a lot of moments that mm-hmm. are tense in that way they have an interesting relationship Toshio definitely cares for you a lot and would do anything for her. It's cute. He's a little bit older, which is, I don't remember exactly how much older he is. I think he might be in middle school while she's still in elementary. So he might be 12 or something like that. I was just checking online. So yeah, Toshio is 13 going on 14. So he does go to junior high school. So he would probably be in his first year. Of course, it kind of works for the whole series that it's a series that goes on for one year. And she has a limit of one year for her powers. And I don't think we mentioned, but it's actually exactly 52 episodes. So there's an episode per week. Yes. Yeah. And then right after that was Persia. Yeah. Persia. I think it happened almost. Yes. There was only a one month. No, not even. It's it's like exactly like the next week. It's kind of similar to how Pretty Cure is going on now. Exactly the next week after that, they started airing the next series. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of like their thing at that time. That's really great. Yeah. <laughs> you told me before you watched other Studio Piero Magical Girl series. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about how these series in general, like from your experience with them, differ from ones from before or ones uh, after. 
that you have watched? Well, all of them, even though they have like similar as the sweet, you've gone over the rules. All of the rules are in place for all of the series. Mm-hmm. And the girls, the main characters tend to be a little bit boisterous and a little bit tomboyish for all of them as well. I think that the atmosphere of every series is really different. Mm-hmm. The music creates a different atmosphere. The aesthetics are slightly different for each season, as well as the actual character of the girls and what their wants and desires are. So there's a lot of different things that are kind of explored, emotional states that are explored in these, like almost like coming of age, but it's younger than that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know exactly how to describe it. I guess these power fantasies get reenacted in different ways through all of these different characters who want different goals and different things and have different relationships with their families and with their peers. Mm-hmm. So I would say that while Creamy Mommy is the one that I've been able to actually watch from start to finish um, a couple of times because that's just the one that I've had access to the most, mm-hmm. the others from what I've watched of them so far are also really endearing and really sweet mm. and definitely worth checking out. Especially Magical Emmy, I think, is as realized as Creamy Mommy is kind mm-hmm. of plot-wise, I would say. Mm, Whereas the other ones almost seem a little bit more episodal, just from my experience with them, but I haven't been able to watch more than maybe 10 episodes with Persia mm-hmm. or um, Lala Bell. Not Lala Bell. I can't remember her name. The last Piero girl. Pastel Yumi. That's who I'm thinking about. Yeah, so there's Creamy Mommy, then Persia, then yeah, Magical Emmy, Pastel Yumi, and Fancy Lala. And There are also some movies that have crossovers between the girls. Have you seen any of those? I have seen the the crossover movies. Yes, I've seen um, when they all go and fight the aliens. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the giant robo ones. Mm. One of the times that I watched that first collaboration with all of the girls when they all go to fight, I think it's Alien X Mm -hmm. is the name of it. Um, was at my college's anime club, and I'd actually already seen it, so I was excited to go and like check out the anime club because they were playing Piero Girls, which is such a rare thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like so excited to go, and I went with my friend, and then it was just a whole bunch of like older men that were like, "This is so dumb. This is just like Sailor Moon." And I'm sitting there like, "Actually, this is the first magical girl to love. Like, this is important." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, so since you are in the U.S., how do you usually watch these um, older Magical Girl shows? Well, for a long time, there was not really very many legal options to watch. I would have to watch fan subs, and I am really thankful to the people mm-hmm. fan subbing because there's really not a lot of options that people have to be able to watch these. Mm-hmm. Right now, though, Creamy Mommy is actually available to stream on Retro Crush mm-hmm. TV, I believe. Oh, as okay. well as Amazon Prime, I think, oh. and the streaming service Tubi. So there's quite a few ways at the moment mm-hmm. to actually sit down and watch Creamy Mommy legally and even for free. Wow. So that's really exciting. And that's why I was a little surprised to hear that, you know, in Japan, there's hardly access to it right now. Yeah. I mean, I have Amazon Prime Japan, but they don't have Creamy Mommy there. <laughs> it's like, What? So I was expecting at, at least I would be able to yeah. rent the episodes off Amazon Prime because I can do that for shows like Cutie Honey. But yeah, it does. it's not available at all to watch there. And it's like, what? That's so strange because the only available 
version that you have is what's in your subtitles. It's really weird. So yeah, I mean, just generally access to animation is kind of wild all the time. But especially with Magical Girl series, I think. Yeah, and then as you know, the older they get, they kind of there and then disappear off the face of the planet. <laughs> yeah, especially pre-internet stuff. It's especially difficult, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so like I said, I can rent the series if I want to watch it, which I do very much want to watch it. I love the aesthetic and everything, so... Yes, if you can find it. Yeah, I definitely, definitely recommend try. it. It's probably much deeper than you might expect at first. Mm-hmm. And it's also even fun seeing the relationship that her parents have and how they act with her. There are some things that are, of course, outdated. Like there are times when they might spank her. <laughs> which is not really something that mm-hmm. you can show or do nowadays on TV. Sure. You shouldn't do to children anyways, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So there's like definitely things that are a little bit outdated. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really great moments mm-hmm. in Creamy Wami. And it's a series that I return to even on an episodal basis sometimes just for, you know, I'm just in that mood and I just want an episode or two where mm-hmm. I draw or stitch or something like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I was also wondering if you've seen, I think, a more recent comic of Creamy Mommy. I don't know if you've seen anything about that. Yes, I've heard of it. I haven't read it, so I'm not sure if it's translated. Mm. I mean, my Japanese is not that good, especially mm-hmm. reading. But I have seen the artwork for it, and I've seen some pages and panels, and it looks beautiful. Yeah, the art is very pretty. So it's from, oh, I'm sorry, that's my cat. It's from <laughs> Megami's point of view. Ah. Milo, I'm, reco- I'm recording. Oh, he has something to say about Creamy Mommy. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Yes. Uh-huh. Very important information. <laughs> hmm. So you said it was from Megami's point of view. So... Can you tell us who Megumi is? Yes, uh, Megumi is, yeah, she was the number one idol previously before Kumi Mommy came in and kind of stole her thunder. Mm-hmm. So they're rivals in a way where it's almost one-sided. Megumi is always thinking about how Mommy is kind of ruining her chances and taking her opportunities. And Mommy is really not concerned about Megumi at all. Also, Tachibana, who is the um, owner, I think, of the idol company that produces both of them Mm. is really interested in creamy mommy because you know she's their number one seller she's their top idol suddenly and then not so interested Mm -hmm. in megumi and megumi is low-key in love with tachibana so she's jealous and upset about that happening Mm -hmm. as well so there's a lot of different dynamics going on in the series even if it's you know from work relationships to family relationships to, you know, having to keep undercover the fact that you're actually not a 10-year-old girl and you're a 16-year-old magical idol and vice versa at all different times and places. And lots of different little love lives and triangles going on. (laughs) It's pretty crazy to think about, like, yeah, there's a big difference between being 10 and being 16. Yes, there really, really It seems like not that much time, but yeah. It's, there's a huge difference. Definitely. It's a lot of pressure for a 10-year-old girl to pretend to be 16. Yeah. They talk about Creamy Mommy has the nickname of 8 o'clock Cinderella because mm-hmm. 
every day she has to be home by eight o'clock. So they're like, you're 16 years old and you go home by eight o'clock every single day and you never go out on the weekends. What's up with that? Meanwhile, you was like, I'm 10 years old. Like I really shouldn't even be out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's just really interesting. There is definitely a huge difference between 10 and 16. And I think that you bring some of her childish charm, I guess, and like cheerfulness to Mm -hmm. 16-year-old Creamy Mommy. And that's part of what makes her such a huge sensation because you can really tell that she's kind of carefree and having fun on her own terms. Whereas Mm. if you're really a 16-year-old idol, you're probably thinking about a lot of other things. Yeah, I think that's part of the charm, especially of the shows of this era, but anything where you have a much younger, like elementary school, magical girls are definitely have a very different vibe in that way, I think, than older girls. Even if it's, yes, for example, a show like Pretty Care, where the characters are older, but the show is still geared towards younger kids, it still feels a little bit different because... Mm-hmm. Middle school life and elementary school life is really very, very different, I think, for Japanese kids. Very different. Of course, if she's 16, 16 would be high school, so. That's true, yeah. Yeah. The timing of it all in in adolescence and in um, Mm -hmm. development would be different all across Mm -hmm. the board, but I understand probably especially so in Japanese society. Because doesn't middle school kind of, everything is much more serious and that's kind of, you know, now you are an adult. Yeah, there's something very carefree about elementary school students here that changes a lot once they enter junior high school. As someone who has been teaching here for about five years, and I teach kids of all ages, but I see that change when kids grow up and they, they enter junior high school. There's always a big shift in a lot of things, even if they don't necessarily realize it. Yeah, that is interesting. So it seems like they they have to become a lot more serious and they have a lot more responsibilities, whereas that carefree aspect is such a charming part of the Mm -hmm. Hero Magical Girl series and why those girls kind of elicit so much fun. And every single time you see them, you Mm -hmm. kind of think of them as like smiling and just having a good time, even though they also are not able to express their emotions openly. That's another Mm -hmm. thing that I think is a, a plus with them being younger. Because they can, you know, get mad and hit someone and (laughs) tell them off or do any of those things that impulsively as children you do. Sure. When you're a kid, that's how you feel. Yeah. So that kind of thing happens with the zero girls. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's very interesting. And it shocks everyone too. Yeah. At, you know, 16 years old, being an idol figure who everyone's supposed to you know, adore, and she's supposed to act just so, just a certain way as idols mm-hmm. are. And you'll see her make a funny face and push someone to the side and just say, no, I don't want to do that. Or no, I don't want to eat that. <laughs> and people will be like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> They're so confused because they've never seen someone act that way before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's fun in a lot of ways just to see the way that you and how everyone else interacts. She has a mm-hmm. lot of personality and she's definitely non-compromising mm-hmm. on her goals and what she wants and what she needs to do. So it's refreshing in a way too, to see it kind of reinforces this idea that magic can be reinforcing your boundaries and like being true to yourself 
mm-hmm. the same way that it can be actually being given some sort of magical item by someone. Mm. Like maybe she was put in a position to receive this item because she's so true to herself and so pure in a lot of different ways. And she has her own ideas about right and wrong and she sticks to them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of something that I try to embody in myself as like a magical idol <laughs> <laughs> character sure. um, or persona online. Just really be true to myself and to my heart. Yeah. Just like how all my favorite magical girls are. <laughs> well, I want to say that's true for a lot of magical girl fans. I think that a lot of people want to be like those girls, whether it's from, you know, the ones that we watched when we were children or even as adults. It's just like <laughs> they're great examples of how to be that, yeah. you know, they're placed in this kind of environment that's very separate from reality, of course, but they're still very relatable. And maybe that's part of why Studio Piero made the rules that it did to help kind of ground it in a reality. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's great that so much about these girls resonates with so many people. And I think Studio Piero really did a great job with that series, especially. I Mm. wish so much that it would be available internationally for people to access and watch because not only can we model, but all five series are just, I'm sure that there's so much wonderful content in those series that I just can't access. And it's kind of sad to know that. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I'll ever be able to watch all of I don't know if there's like a nostalgia factor, but I feel like in recent years that maybe older series are starting to get more attention Mm -hmm. so hopefully that will mean more accessibility in the future I mean even for current magical girl series like yeah I wonder if it's like a genre problem where people in the west just don't really understand magical girls as much well really more so just Americans because as we talked about um, magical girls are pretty Mm -hmm. well globalized except for in America for some reason yeah maybe they just think, well, we already have Taylor Moon, we don't even have Moon or something. Yeah, I don't know why in particular. I do think it has to do with maybe not necessarily exactly the genre, but more the target audience being children. So it's getting the same treatment as other children's series where usually people are trying to watch shows like Pokemon or even Yu-Gi-Oh! or I don't actually know what's going on these days, but you know, kids shows are usually being watched in the dubbed language because they're for kids. As much as I think it's good for kids to have access to subtitled shows if they want to, I understand that for a lot of kids, it's very difficult, so... And I think it's totally fair for there to be all those accessibility documentaries. For sure. It would be interesting to see if a dub ever happened for some of these 80s magical girls. I mean... Hmm. I think it's possible. I don't know if it ever will. I don't know that there's a demand. Yeah, I would hope so. As we were saying, that Kumi Mami was not really available to watch um, Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. (laughs) My God, I can't believe it's been that long. (laughs) (laughs) But but she wasn't really available to watch online Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. And now, I mean, I can say into the remote of my TV, Magical Angel Kumi Mami, and it'll bring up the full episode list and I can watch it. Yeah, that's so So, great. You know, that's a crazy thing that happened. It's possible, for sure. Because, like, for example, I mean, Sailor Moon got a complete redubbing. And 
that's an extremely yeah. long series. Of course, extremely, extremely popular. So I understand why they decided to do that again in English. I've seen people trying to get more access to these older shows, not just Magical Girls, but just generally vintage shows. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. It's cool that um, RetroCash has a lot of great stuff that they're streaming too. Mm. So that's awesome. I haven't really been able to check out their streaming platform so much because, well, I have my phone as pretty much my screen and then I have a laptop <laughs> that I share with my boyfriend. With kids, mm-hmm. So I don't want to hog it up all day, like sure. <laughs> watching anime on his computer. But yeah. I love that they're existing right now and mm-hmm. that there's so many things that we can actually watch legally mm-hmm. just through going to a website. Yeah. Even five years ago, I wouldn't have thought that that was something that would happen. Mm. So that's really exciting to me. Yeah. Oh, look, actually, Pastel Dini is actually also fully streaming on Retro Crush. So oh. I didn't even know that that happened. And that's fantastic. Yeah. So good news. Yay. <laughs> I guess that's something I have to binge right now, <laughs> which is exciting. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. I wanted to kind of finish things up a little bit. So I do have one last question. So as you already mentioned, you know, of course, you are a big fan of Magical Girls. And um, actually, we haven't talked about it, but you also um, cosplay as well. So I was wondering, and this is kind of a last question I ask every guest. So if you were a magical person, have you ever imagined what your magical persona would be like? I would also be an idol character, surely. And I would have <laughs> to have the ability to fly. I would also have some supernatural abilities where I could do divination. Mm-hmm. And I would get into all sorts of different hijinks in that way and have some sort of like magical and spiritual power combined with being like mm. a song some sort divination that's a new one that's very interesting <laughs> i'm like imagining yeah, like raven simone <laughs> as a magical girl that's really funny and do you have any image as far as how you would look in this way probably just similar to myself though i think i would have to have pink hair in order to really <laughs> really feel oh, magical fantastic. that sounds great <laughs> yeah I can imagine now. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Yeah. So thank you very much for talking to us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. If anyone wants to find you online, where can they find you? I am at Saripath on um, Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. And you can find me there. You can watch some of my Magical Idol activities and see my cosplays. And just follow <laughs> my thoughts on Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. So that's S-E-R-E-P-U-F-F. Mm-hmm. And check me out. <laughs> yeah, your cosplays are super cute. You've done quite a few yeah. of these magical girls, and they're all fantastic. <laughs> you even have a fan cam, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A friend of mine was uh, making some for their cosplay friends, and I just had to get in on it. And they made the most amazing one ever. So <laughs> definitely, definitely love the fan cam. <laughs> Yeah, so thank you very much, um, and I hope you have a great day.
You have a wonderful day. And it was so great talking to you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparkleSideChats. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E. K-N-O-W-S. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. Anchor is also where you can leave a short message if you want to talk about your favorite magical girl or ask a question related to the podcast. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash ayushinos. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at Twinkle Parks. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical. Magical.